All right, troops, strong and conditioned, live and direct from Glasgow, Scotland. And tonight we have a special guest, a special guest who is the creator of one of the most brutal burpees I have ever had the good fortune to perform, the Zulu burpee. But that is something that we will get into later. My guest tonight is the one and only King Jabbar, otherwise known as G-Fit Active. Jabbar, how are you, brother? Man, I'm doing good, man. How are you? Excellent, mate. Absolutely top banana, as they say. So, Jabbar, let's get straight to the brass tacks. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me how you started your fitness career and how you've ended up at this point. Um... Uh, so I guess how I started, man, um, I've been playing sports my whole life, bro. So it kind of just, you know, it's a part of sports. You want to get better, you got to work out. Um, and then from there, man, I just kind of, you run into different people along your journey. Um, you know, different coaches, different people from other teams, and you kind of just steal a little bit of everybody's routine. Um, you get better. So you kind of see the value in working out as it applies to playing sports. And you kind of just, it develops, man, from there. So what sport did you uh, excel in? Um, man, I played basketball, football, and baseball. I was probably best at basketball, but my favorite is is football. So, yeah, Did you, definitely. were you, uh, like, was college football involved or anything uh, of that man. nature? So that's a long story, bro. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, man, I played, um, I think I started playing football when I was like six or seven-ish, something like that. Um, played all the way up to high school. Um, had a lot of colleges looking at me, but, you know, the streets called me, man, and I took an unfortunate detour. Okay, so what part of America is it you hail from? I believe it to be California. California, Southern California. Yeah, is, is it, what's the name of the actual part of California you come from? Um, it's like LA County. It's a small, yeah. I'm from a smaller city. Um, you know what I mean? But LA County is a part of LA County. So that's probably what was going to stand out the most. Yeah. So what was the first fitness style you started to pick up on and immerse yourself in? What was what? What was the first fitness style you picked up and started oh, to become immersed in? calisthenics i mean i started when i was a young dude man way too early to go to the gym um you know way before i had the money to start buying all kind of exotic equipment so it was push-ups pull-ups uh dips pretty much everything you could do at the park man yeah 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 so how were you training were you just having fun or were you following a structural program um nah, it was just more so um there was, there was a little bit of structure. I mean, you we pick up stuff from our coaches, right? So, you know, the push-ups, I kind of knew how to structure a push-up routine. Um, you know, the pull-ups, it wasn't as efficient as it could have been, but I definitely, you know, I knew that I was working out with a purpose. Yeah, yeah. So so what came after that? Um. Way, way, way down the line, man, we started getting into weights. But, I mean, that was after prison. Um, you know what I mean? Eventually, you'll outgrow calisthenics, or I did at least. You know what I'm saying? I outgrew it. Um, and then you just – it's its harder to uh, progressively overload the muscles with calisthenics because you're limited. Yeah, yeah. So eventually, yeah, I yeah, grew yeah, into, yeah. Um, you know, weight training and resistance training. Yes. So was that something that came after the prison experience? Yeah, definitely. All the way up until um, I think I started like lifting, lifting when I was like 30, bro. It was late. Yeah, in my, yeah, yeah. I was 30. By the time I, yeah. um, you know, did my time, got out, came home um, in California. We don't have uh, we don't have weights in our prison system. Yeah. So, you know, that whole time was just trying to figure out how to have bodybuilder results with a calisthenic base. And I think yeah. that's what makes my version of calisthenics so different because um, for the most part, people do calisthenics to be lean. 
they do calisthenics to be in shape, you know what I mean, to have a sleeker look. But for me, I wanted to be bulky, so I had to really kind of figure out how to do that with the limited resources that I had. Right, okay, so so let's backtrack. Let's go to when you first went into prison and you had that calisthenics background. What style of training did you start to develop while you were incarcerated? Um, so when you go to jail in California, bro, um, you know, I was involved in um, you know, in the gang lifestyle. So, you know, when you get to prison, the, your program is pretty much mapped out for you. You have to basically just follow suit, man. So, you know, the workouts are mandatory. Um, and there's already kind of a little structure behind it. Um, and it was basically a ass ton of, of push-ups, pull-ups, dips. Uh, burpees were heavily involved uh, for stamina, which is very important in a situation like that. Um, but just as I got older, bro, I kind of knew what I wanted to do physically and that's when things started to change into, well, you know, how can I take this and make it my own so that I get the results that I want? Yeah. So so it was, you said something interesting there, which I've noticed a pattern emerging with guys that have been in a similar situation to yourself. And that's the word mandatory. Why are these workouts mandatory? Um. So when you're in the streets, bro, for me, I got, um, I caught my case when I was young, bro. I think like 16, 17 years old. And when you're 16, 17, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? You have no discipline. You have no focus. You have no, um, you know, no sense of community or no sense of teamwork, man. So, and everything you do is kind of sporadic. You have no sense of direction, but in a, in a maximum security prison, those traits are highly dangerous to the people around you and the people who are supposed to protect you. We can't have you, um, you know, walking around the yard and we're all responsible for each other and you're reckless. Um, you're unfocused. You're undisciplined because, you know, in riot situations, you become a liability. Now we have to come save you. You might even cause a riot situation. You know what I'm saying? And it's just not safe. So... Uh, you know, the people who ha have been there for a while and who know better, they make these programs mandatory because it's going to save all of us in the, in the end of the day. It's going to save everybody. Um, and you're just you're not smart enough. You don't know enough to understand why. So explaining it to you is going to take way too much time and something bad might happen going from explaining it to you from you understanding and doing it voluntarily. So it's mandatory. And then, you know, as you do your time, you'll start to understand why it's mandatory. And then, you know, it, you won't mind that it's mandatory because you understand why. Okay. So who creates these programs? Um, whoever's the most knowledgeable, usually, um, whoever's been around the longest, um, and the reason for that is just you've been around the longest, you've seen more, you 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 have more experience, bro. You know more, um, and you just have the experience to have something come from you that's more comprehensive than a beginner. Yeah. So as as there like a template that these programs are based on? Usually there's always gonna be a template, but at the same time, man, every yard that you go to, every building that you go to um there's going to be a guy um and that guy is an individual so he's going to have a template but he's also going to have his personal style of doing things so he's going to take this template and it's going to be a little bit different from what you're used to from what you've seen at the last prison yard but at the end of the day bro it's not that different um it's really easy to make that adjustment between oh the last yard and this yard um you know everybody is a stickler for their own kind of you know their own way of doing things yeah yeah but so so would these programs be done like on a like would there be a different program performed every day or would it be a weekly thing or a monthly thing oh it's daily bro we're doing this every day you're going to wake up you're going to have a morning routine um because that's going to build discipline it's going to build consistency um your morning routine is not going to change and for me that was a good thing it built structure um, and then 
like I said, everything is is mandatory. So that builds accountability. You can't be yeah. while we're in our cells working out, bro. You can't be sitting on your bunk watching TV. You know what I mean? Because we're gonna know. Um, your stamina is not gonna be improving. Your physical physique's not gonna be improving. We might not know right now, but we'll figure it out soon. So just having that higher power to um to answer up to, bro, it just builds accountability. Um. Yeah, and it's a, it's a daily thing, bro. So it's practice. Discipline is a muscle. So the more you work it, the stronger it gets. So it's it's daily. Yeah, so so talk me through like a morning routine, for example. You wake up, do you have breakfast, then perform a routine, or is it wake up and just bang, go? Um. So as far as being locked up or as far as like right now? Not like in prison, like your morning um, routines. Yeah, so, um, so for me, I'll just give you my routine. Um. You're going to have like a basic routine, but as I got older, I started to kind of, I became more strict upon myself. So I would wake up like super early in the morning, way earlier than I had to be up. And personally, man, I just need some time to myself. So, um, you know, I'm going to sit and meditate 20, 30 minutes. I'm going to read a little bit because, you know, another reason why I wake up so early is I just enjoy the silence. Um, so I'm going to get up, I'm going to meditate 20, 30 minutes. I'll probably read for another 20 or 30 minutes. And then that's when I'll actually get up and, you know, I'll make a, uh, my coffee. I'll start to clean my cell up, um, you know, brush my teeth and get presentable for the day. Um, we're going to go to breakfast. When we come back from breakfast, that's when everything starts, bro. Um, I'm going to start stretching. Uh, you know, I can't live in a, in a cell with a person who's not working out. <laughs> it's just, you know. <laughs> I need that motivation. I need that push, that drive. So I always went for cellies who were kind of on that same level. Um, we're going to come back and we're going to just, you know, stretch up. And then, man, we're going to get cracking, bro. The workout's going to start. Um, you know, whatever whatever it is for that day, whether it be a leg day, a, a endurance day, a upper body day, we're going to yeah. get into it. Um, yeah. You know. So that, that's interesting because I can see that bodybuilding mentality straight away when you have a body part that's focused on on a daily basis. And yeah. you said leg day and like, what would a, a leg day be like in a, a situation where equipment is non-existent? Um, like I said, man, when you're, I just became strict on myself, man. So a regular leg day for everybody else is probably some squats. But for me, um, I have to be progressing. I have to be getting better. And I mastered the squat. You know what I mean? Like when it came to body weight squats, bro, I was doing sets of a hundred and that just takes way too long. I don't want to be working out for four hours at a time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just crazy. So, um, it, it takes a little bit of, you know, personal security in yourself, but man, I'm doing squats with my celly on my back, bro. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. I'm going to get down and he's going to get on my neck on my shoulders. And we're going to do squats like that. We're going to do lunges like that. Um, it's, you know. Yeah. Progressing. I, over time, I've I've became convinced that leg work, like, on a body weight basis is pretty non-existent with regards to muscle growth. I, I, I think that body weight squats don't cut it. I mean, you can do 500 body weight squats and you will be in pain the next day. But the chances of actual... Muscle like growth stimulus is pretty non-existent, so I tend to keep away from leg work when I'm doing body weight circuits now, and just keep the leg work strictly to the gym. Yeah, because I feel the legs are that body part that need to be punished, and they need to be punished with weight to see good results. So it's interesting to hear what you would have to do in that situation when you don't have access and by the very fact that you had to put your celly on your shoulders, yeah. uh, kind of demonstrates that point. So the, the reason I discovered you was through uh, burpee videos. Uh, I'm always looking at burpee videos and s some catch my attention. And there was one you made, uh, which was, I think it was called Prison Burpees, oh. and you were demonstrating Burpees, and that's where I found the Zulu Burpee. So that takes me on to my next question, which was, how did Burpees go for you in prison? What did you start to do with Burpees in order to change them, knowing the way you view exercise as 
through that progressive overload lens? Um, so without really realizing progressive overload is like a key factor in bodybuilding, um, I'm just really, really ambitious, bro. I'm really driven. It's something that comes natural to me. We started off with like six count burpees and that's just your standard go down, do a push up, come back up. Um, you know, you get strong and you kind of just like, Hey, these are boring. Um, and they're easy. You know what I mean? Once it gets easy, it gets boring. Um, and then, like I said, you're, you're working out for two, three hours at a time in order to kind of bang the muscles up. So you yeah. start to add extra push-ups. You start to add, you know, more reps. You progress into Navy SEAL burpees, which are by far one of my favorites. Um, and then, your, your, you know, your counts get higher. But for me, it was more so burpees will take you in a direction that I did not want to go. Burpees are going to strip you of, of a lot of body weight. And for me, I just didn't want that look. I don't, you know what I mean? Everybody is, they're going to chase the look that they want. And I just didn't want to be slim and, you know, it's cool to be, you know, cut up and ripped, but I kind of wanted to be big and ripped. You know what I mean? I didn't want the either or. So yeah. I started to change my burpees to like really, really push up dominant uh, workouts. And that's where the Zulu burpee was born. Um, the average person is doing one to two, maybe even three bur uh, push-ups per burpee. But for me, I'm doing 15. And then I'm still going to do that for two hours at a time. You know what I'm saying? And I can just maintain that tempo, 15 reps or 15 push-ups per burpee, back to back to back to back for an hour and a half, two hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A completely different look from that. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, the things I encounter regularly through my YouTube channel is the argument that boppies cannot build muscle, which I think otherwise. And I was having a conversation with the Iron Wolf last night and we were speaking about that you need to spend more time on the floor yes. during the boppy in order to build mass. But I think when people associate the word burpee, it's in the context that you described, which is leaning out, getting yeah. your cardio game up. But we know that there's so many variations that we can use in order to get a specific stimulus. Yeah. And when you do a, a Zulu burpee, for example, like one Zulu burpee is close to failure. Yeah. Um, so if you do 10 Zulu burpees, you're probably going to get 15, 20 effective reps in that set. And a lot of people don't give burpees that credit. They just refuse to take the, the, the blinkers off. Yeah. But I think it's a fear because they're so fucking punishing. I think... Um... People just, they just don't know, bro. So for me, when I started to introduce the Zulu burpee, bro, I got like major backlash. People were like, those are not burpees. That's not a burpee. It's cool, whatever you're doing, but don't call it a burpee. Um, so for me, it was just kind of like an education process. You got to kind of explain to people that there are different variations. The burpee is one of the most diverse, versatile uh exercises known to man bro because there's just infinite ways you can tweak it and make it your own um yeah. like iron wolf said man you have to spend more time on the floor if size is going to be your overall goal so you know what i mean if, if for me it was just um you learn you're gonna you're gonna see what you want to do and you're gonna see how to get that result and you're just gonna create man you got to be creative and you got to figure it out yeah, yeah. Okay, so what are your three go-to burpees? Oh, man. Zulu burpees are my favorite. Um, Navy SEAL burpees will probably be a close number two. And I would say... I would say another burpee that I created is called the Nubian burpee. You're right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. Is that the one yeah. where... You is it the it, one when the legs come outwards? Uh, oh, that's the insane. Right, that's okay, insane. Yeah. yeah, see, I created a bunch of stuff, man. But the Nubian burpee is it's uh, burpees and mountain climbers together. Right, right. It, man, bro. And that's 
for me, that's the toughest one. Um, yeah, so I yeah, don't yeah. Do that that often, but yeah, yeah. I don't think a lot of people like realize how brutal mountain climbers can be as well, particularly when you incorporate them within a burpee workout, Definitely. because they completely smoke the shoulders like, like brutally. Yeah. Uh, so, what is your favored workout style when it comes to performing burpees? Do you prefer? a session which is focused more on intensity or do you like to go for duration? Um, I, I don't like a lot of either or. So I like, um, I like both. I want to do, so intensity is always going to be top dog, hands down, because intensity is where the growth is going to come from. Um, so if you can only be intense, for 10 minutes, it's best to be in, intense for 10 minutes than to be, you know, lackadaisical for an hour. Yeah. But for me, I want to be intense for 10 minutes. And then next week, I want to be intense for 12 minutes. And then the week after that, I want to be intense for 14 minutes. And then, you know, a year down the line, I want to bring that same 10-minute intensity to an hour-long workout. Yeah. Okay, right. So... Uh let's move on let's like so you've did burpees you've done your bodyweight stuff but you figured out that you needed a new challenge something that was more aligned with your physique goals and that's when you entered the world of bodybuilding at quite a late age as well which is quite interesting because bodybuilding a lot of guys tend to start very young yeah in their teens, whereas you've rocked up as a 30-year-old, which is, I wouldn't say old, but in bodybuilding terms, not not like in stage, because a lot of these 40 guys, 40-year-old guys are dominant, but when you enter the world of bodybuilding. So what was it that that lured you into that world? Um, To be honest, I never really cared about it. Um, fitness was always a personal thing. I never really did it, you know, for other people and to be honest i kind of looked down on that i was like man you guys are you know what i mean you're building your body up to impress someone else because at the end of the day we got to be honest bro um when you're on stage you're not building the body that you want you're building the body that the judges want to see you know what i mean so i kind of looked down on it like man why are why are you guys building another man's body or whatever you know what i mean but um just being in the gym um i still had a calisthenic approach to lifting. Um, a lot of dudes want to go in there and pick up the heaviest weight. And that's like the most common question. Hey, how much can you bench? How much can you squat? And my answer is, I don't know because I don't care. I'm going to be in here and I'm going to do a thousand bench press reps of 225. And I don't know what my heaviest bench is because I don't care. You know what I mean? So I'm still taking that same high volume approach not knowing that this is just exploding the muscle growth, right? And then people start to say, hey, man, do you compete? Nah, I don't compete. Man, you should compete. You would do great. And then you kind of just, yeah, okay. <laughs> you get back to your workout. But then you start to see people who do compete, and you're like, oh, I look way better than that guy. You know what I mean? And there's always some type of, like, silent competition in the gym amongst men. Um, and... You know, it's healthy for us. We, we're competitive creatures. As long as it doesn't get all out of control, you know what I mean? There's always some kind of, you know, silent competition. And, you know, it, it just took that one guy who was, you know, he was aging out of the sport. And he was like, bro, you would do so good in the sport. And I just heard it so much. I was like, you know what? Let's give it a try. And, you know, I went out and won my first competition. And from there, bro, I was just hooked. Right, okay, right. So so let's take a couple of steps back and let's let's talk about the journey to and through bodybuilding. So when you began bodybuilding, what what were you doing in the gym? Did you follow a cookie cutter style program or did someone take you under their wing? Nah, man, I was doing my prison program. <laughs> and it became like a rebellious thing. Like I swear, it was like I'm not going to do it how you guys do it. I don't want to do it how you guys have been doing it. I'm not a big fan of tradition. I fight it every chance I get. Um, 
So for me, it was like, I'm going to win these competitions doing push-ups, burpees, freaking, <laughs> you know, I'm going to win these competitions doing calisthenics. And then when I started to merge the calisthenics with the, the weight training, um, you hear the word overtraining thrown around a lot. Oh, man, that's overtraining. And for me, overtraining is is a soft man's mind state. What the fuck is overtraining, bro? It's we're going to train to failure. Oh, you, you're not supposed to. Who cares what you're supposed to do? Because if you do what everyone else is doing, you're going to get everyone else's results. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. So for I, me, it, I, was, it was rebellious, man. Like, I, I'm so against doing it everyone else's way, man. I heard a very, uh, I read an interesting quote the other day. It was a, a guy called Jamie Lewis. Uh, and it was along the terms of, if you want mainstream results, then do a mainstream program. But if you want insane results, then you need to train with insanity or something of that effect. And, and that's something that always interests me with training is the people I am always drawn to are the one who push the boundaries, the ones who defy the, the, the convention and go their own path and just attack things hard and just figure out within the amount of work they perform, there's always a golden nugget in there that they can then take and move on to the next phase. And over time, they eventually create these programs or this training style that is entirely productive. So how did, like, what was your workout format? Were you going straight for a bro split or were you doing an upper, lower or full body? So in the beginning, it was more, um, man, the, the learning curve was steep. Um, so in the beginning, there was like specific body parts. By this time, by the time I got into bodybuilding, um, I'm so my my body is so endurance based that it pretty much takes the whole workout to fatigue a muscle group. So my split at the time, I think it was chest, back, legs, and then I had a cleanup day, which was biceps, triceps. Um, calves shoulders just kind of like the smaller groups um but my focus was like chest dominant back dominant and legs dominant you know what i mean yeah 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 and was there any specific like exercises and rep schemes that you were using um i think i had a lot of key workouts so for me i i never really i got into the sport so late that um my body just doesn't agree with bench press anymore so my chest day was basically a thousand push-ups, um, and that was bodybuilding and everything. It was a thousand push-ups, um, and then after that, back days would be pretty much pull-ups, man. Pull-ups and rows. I would do a set of rows, and I would try to get like fifteen heavy rows, and then from there I would jump right into a pull-up, um, and I would just kind of do that as long as my body could sustain it. You know. It, usually gassed out like around you know 30 minutes um and then you know you got smaller you know like dumbbell rows and stuff like that but it was just basically um a heavy movement and then a calisthenic movement to go with it so the heavy movement would be the barbell rows and then the calisthenic superset would be the, the pull-ups to go with that yeah so so you were almost like pre-exhausting the the body weight work with yes weights it was that's, that's, like it was impossible to find gym partners, bro, because no one no one wants to work out that way, bro. They want to go in the gym and they want to do the traditional five sets of five or you know five sets of ten or whatever. But for me, it was like, okay, cool. We'll go into the gym. We'll do that. And then when you're done, then I'm going to go do something else because that was way too easy. You know what I mean? So it's kind yeah. of hard to keep gym partners like that. You you pre fatigue the muscles on purpose. Um. And then you do your workout, and it's just super demanding. Yeah. So do you still train in this fashion, or did you evolve? Mm, I don't do as much calisthenics anymore because, and I'm just so strong, bro. Like, pull-ups are like water. Push-ups are like water. Um, and it's just bad for the joints, man. At my age, I'm 35 now, and it's just murderous on my joints. Um so the calisthenics have kind of like faded away from me, but I still take that approach to resistance training. 
Um, I still do high, high, high reps. Um, and I like to do high reps with high weight. So, yeah, yeah. Do you, are you like, are you big on technique or do you try to go down the optimal route where like you've got a really ne slow negative phase and you pause and then you're quite powerful in the concentric? Um, I get bored easy, man. So <laughs> I do a mixture of everything. Um, for the most part, slow and control reps, I want to get about 15 even tempo reps. Um, but then, you know, every now and then you just got to throw something extra. You got to throw, you know, uh, the negative, the negative reps in there. You got to throw supersets in there. You got to throw, um, you know, drop sets, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 So how many sets are you doing per body part? Oh man. So I'll go into the gym with a list of, of exercises that I want to do because those exercises are going to hit certain muscle groups, but I just go, I don't even count anymore. I know what the feeling feels like. Um, so, you know, on a, on a bad day, I might do five sets and you know, those five sets are sufficient and it, it'll get that feeling for me. And then on a good day, I might do 25, 30 sets. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just, I'm going for the feeling. I listen to my body and you know, I just, I, I listen to my body. Yeah. So I like, Going by what you've told me, you're not a science guy in that respect where you have to do a set amount of sets or, or a specific amount of sets per body, fat, body part uh, in order to achieve results. You just go in purely by how you feel. Um. So yes and no. I'm a trainer also. So if you're a beginner, 100%, you need structure. You need you need the workout to be broken down into specific sets, specific reps, specific rest times. It has to be science-based. But for me, man, I've been training for 15, 20 years, bro. I just know. You know what I mean? I don't have to be as scientific with the workout because I just know what needs to be done. I'm, I know the feeling of when I'm done. Um, and you know, just the longer you're in it, the less you have to pay uh, close attention to that. Diet-wise, yeah. though, I'm I'm scientific down to the core. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to the diet in a minute. I want to bring burpees back in. Do you still perform burpees while you do bodybuilding? I perform burpees, but at this point, it's only, um, I would say, like a warm-up now. Yeah, yeah, Burpees yeah, are yeah. A really, really good warm up to resistance training. So if it's a chest day, I'll knock out a couple hundred burpees just to get the blood flowing, raise my body temperature, and then we'll we'll get into a chest day. Right. So how like if you want to give someone advice who is trying to build muscle and they like to do the weights, but they still want to do some burpees, how would you incorporate a burpee routine? in sync with a bodybuilding routine um so the the way i always like to do it is uh the burpees are going to be the cleanup we might do you know 10 15 burpees or something because burpees are really good warm-ups bro they get the, the the body temperature raised up um and you're using the same workouts that you're going to or the same muscle groups that you're going to be using for the workout so we'll do burpees just to kind of start, but that's my finisher. That's my go-to finisher, especially on a chest day. Um, when you've already maxed out the muscle for like heavy resistance pushing, your body weight is the key. You know, it'll, it's um, time under tension. So the longer you work out, the more uh, tension you experience, the more growth is going to come from that. But there comes a time in the workout where you just can't bench anymore. You can't press anymore. You can't do anymore. Uh, tricep extensions and that's where body weight comes in it'll keep the sets going a little bit longer keep you in the gym a little bit longer and it's lower impact so what exercise or what burpee would you perform after a chest day for example um after a chest day we would probably like for me like i said navy seals are it's golden um if you're doing regular let's take regular push-ups for instance right it's up it's down it's up it's down when you're doing Navy SEALs, it's up, and then you have to hold that up position while you yeah. bring the knees up. 
So now yeah. your, your shoulders and your chest are burning more because you're holding those positions longer. Yeah, yeah. It's that's very interesting because when I started doing burpees, I became quite an evangelical with regards to form. Mm. I, I, I was under the belief that every single burpee should be performed chest to floor and full lockout every single rep and i still do that however i was always watching a lot of prison guys and the pumps weren't going full lockout they were just they, they would go chest to floor but they would just come up and keep the elbow slightly bent yeah and it kind of like it made sense to me in a body holding situation with regards to you know how people bench and they don't like to lock out they always want to keep yeah. tension in the muscle so i thought i'm going to start doing this for a while so i started doing my push-ups not full lockout and just pumping them out doing like a five pump seven pump very fast and getting blood to the muscles and i i, I really do feel like i was benefiting from those pumps mm -hmm. Is that something that you do when you're doing your push-ups? Do you go full lockout, nice depth, or do you start to limit the range of motion to keep the tension on the muscle? Okay, so this is something um, – I'm actually a certified trainer, bro, and this is something that I learned in school, um, the science behind it, but it was something that I was already practicing, just not understanding how it worked. So full lockout push-ups – are always going to be king because they work everything that works together. So your chest is going to work your chest, your triceps, and it's going to work your front delts. Now, when you do the pump, the half pumps, that's a hundred percent chest because at a certain point, I would say from the ground to about halfway, you're only using your chest. Once you get to about halfway from halfway to full top, now you're using your front delts and your triceps. Yeah. So in prison, the goal is to have a humongous chest. Um, I don't know where that came from, but that's kind of like the gold standard in prison is just, I want a big chest. So that's where that comes from with the prison guys where they only do half push-ups. They're taking their shoulders and their triceps completely out of the movement and they're exploding the chest, the chest gains. Right. Okay. Okay. That's that's actually hilarious because it's it's true. I mean, most guys on the planet want to have a big chest. I, I don't know why, but uh, but it's also quite interesting that they, they devise this system to get as much juice out of the exercise as they can. So knowing that, like, if you felt that a client, for example, had a lagging body part, namely the chest, would you then suggest that they go for that? half pump motion or definitely definitely with the bench press i never do half pump you still got to do your bench press um a hundred percent from chest all the way to complete lockout um but if you are a client of mine and i do notice that you need to kind of beef your chest up a little bit i'll have you get on the bench press do a set and then we'll superset that with baby you know half rep push-ups where you kind of just get into that bouncing motion to pump the blood into the chest that's definitely something that i incorporate in my programs yeah yeah that's fascinating i'm, I'm really glad that, that i asked that question because i've it's always something that's intrigued me with regards to push-up forum and, and yep. you know yourself like on youtube when you have a channel you're always going to get comments from guys who are criticizing your form like yeah. buppies, buppies for example guys will come in and say there's no jump at the end of that burpee. That's not a burpee. Yeah. Or that's not a full lock, lockout push-up. So it's interesting in that respect. So what are your, if, for example, what, wait, what are your top five exercises for muscle building? Um, deadlift, number one. Um, if your body can stand it, deadlift. Uh, bench press. Um, squat, um, any kind of rowing motion, um, particularly T-bar rows or barbell rows for me. Um, and I would say either a push up or a pull up, man. Nice, nice. So I've noticed there's a trend nowadays in bodybuilding where 
people are looking to target specific muscles and it's usually to the detriment of exercises that you just described there. Like the, the five exercises you described are basic mass builders. They always have been. Yeah. However, there's a kind of direction that bodybuilding is moving in now where people are saying things like the bench press does not build the chest at all. It doesn't. It's you don't think so? <laughs> it does, but it's not. It's by far not the best uh, chest builder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that to a certain degree. I think there's better ones, but I think we're at a stage now where we're kind of trying to dissuade people from performing these exercises when they're extremely beneficial. So what do, what do you say to these guys in that respect where they, they, they feel that there's an optimal exercise for every muscle, whereas a guy like yourself goes into the gym and just goes entirely by feeling? There's no optimal approach, really. It's just a more... It's almost like a spiritual experience. Yeah. Um, so in regard to the, the mass builders, um, they're essential. Um, it's going to put on the most amount of muscle. There's no debate about it. Um, you can't argue with the benefits of a, of, a, of a squat. There's no workout in the gym that you can do to replace a squat. Um, a deadlift, it's irreplaceable. A bench press, it's irreplaceable. Um, but different things for different phases. If you're a beginner, you need these workouts to put that size on. For somebody like me, even though they're my favorite, I don't do them that often because I already have this, the, the, the desired amount of size. So for me at this point in my life, it's about detail. So everything is going to be like my chest. I already have the volume of, of like muscle density in my chest. So now it's about detail work. Now it's about, um, you know, dumbbell incline flies, dumbbell incline bench, uh, cable flies. You know what I mean? Those are not mass builders, but they're detail workouts. You know what I mean? It's something that's going to add definition. Um, so it just kind of depends where you are in your journey. If you're just starting, though, you have to do those. Um, I think people who are bodybuilders now, they get more into detail because that's what's winning shows. Um, size is not necessarily uh, the king of, of, of a bodybuilding show. They want to see lines. Yeah, they want to yeah, see definition. Yeah. They want to see muscle separation. Um, so that's why yeah. they're getting okay. away from okay, specific so movements. Yeah. So... Let's move on to the nutrition side of things and the prep that's involved for a bodybuilding show because that, to me, I, I, I personally think that when it comes to exercise and fitness, that's the easy part. The exercise is the easy part. You just go and you work out. It's what happens out of the gym is when it becomes a complete minefield. And in a bodybuilding situation, that would be amplified because you are, like, living it 24 hours a day. Your sleep has to be optimized. Your diet has to be optimized. Your recovery has to be optimized. So what nutritional direction have you taken in that respect? What's your, like, nutritional plan like? Um. So for contest prep is... It's protein dominant, man. Um, we're depleting the muscles of carbohydrates. So carb intake is cut way down. Um, protein intake is is ramped all the way up. Um, that's pretty much it, man. Carb you... intake is so low because, um, you know, the muscles, that's where we store our carbohydrates. So we're depleting the carbohydrates. We're not eating bread, a lot of bread, rice, uh, grain, stuff like that. Yeah. So, so why are you like taking carbohydrates out of the the mix? Um, carbohydrates make the muscles look bigger, but they also make the muscles look softer. Um, you store the carbs in the muscles. That's what the muscle actually uses, you know, as fuel for the workout. But 
the more carbs in your system, the more you lose that vascular look, um, that grainy, that dry grainy look that they're looking for. Also, the more car carbohydrates in the muscles, the more water you retain. retain. And that water yeah. also takes away from vascularity and that just that gritty, hard look that they're looking for. Yes. So what will you drop your carbs to? Um, Personally, I'm dropping my carbs to well under 100 per day. Um, yeah. And we're going to get those carbs, I would say... 60% of those carbs are going to come pre-workout. Um, and then we're going to have one carb meal after the workout, and then we're done until tomorrow. But yeah. that's that's a that's a case-by-case -case situation, though. If you are a person that just stores carbs, I mean, you might need like a keto diet where you're under 50, under 50 yeah. grams. Um, yeah. And if you're a hard gainer, I mean, you might be able to get away with 150, 200 grams this is kind of case by case, but personally, we're I'm around 60, 60 grams per day. And, and what are your desired carb sources? Um, sweet potatoes and white rice. White rice. White and rice oatmeal. is yeah. White rice is quite calorie dense, though. I tend to find that white rice has got a lot of calories in it, which is quite quite annoying when you're dieting. Well, for me, um. We're only going to – so pre-contest, I'm eating six to eight times a day, but we're only consuming carbs in maybe three of those meals. So we need something that's going to be calorie-dense because at a certain point during the day, we're cutting we're cutting uh, carbohydrates out of the diet. Yeah, so yeah. white rice will sustain you a little bit longer when you're not going to be eating any kind of carbohydrates after, say, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Because one thing about a, a pre-contest diet, you're going to be grumpy and you're going to be sleepy. <laughs> and the reason why you're going to be sleepy is because carbs are fuel and you're depleting your fuel source. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that white yeah. rice, is, it comes in clutch. Yes. So what is a, like, what would a meal be that doesn't have any carbs, for example? Like just a random meal um, during the day? A random meal during the day might be something like ground. If we're not um, in contest prep. It might be chicken. It might be ground turkey. Um, but it's going to be that and a vegetable. So it might be, excuse me, something like salmon and asparagus or right. ground turkey and green beans, something yeah. like that. And do you track every calorie meticulously? Every calorie. I track everything I put in my mouth, bro. Even all the way down to, like, if I'm going to drink uh, coffee and I'm going to add creamer, we're going to know exactly how much creamer, you know what I mean? Like we're measuring creamer, coffee creamer down to the, the tablespoon, bro. It's, it's, yeah. it gets intense. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Jabal, how does this affect your life that you have to like count calories all the time? I mean, do you ever get annoyed with the process? Uh, no. At first I did, but man, bro, when you see the before and after photos, you become obsessed with it. My whole life revolves around food, bro. Um, even when I'm dieting, people think that, oh, you know, you're dieting and you're always hungry. No, there are times where I'm dieting where I'm so full, my, my food alarm is going off and I just don't want to eat. Um, so it's not about depriving yourself of food. It's just knowing the right amounts of what types of foods you need to be eating. You know I mean? Like I said, when I'm getting ready for a competition, I'm eating seven meals a day. I'm just not that hungry. <laughs> I'm not yeah. hungry enough to consume seven meals um, comfortably. So yeah. there's a lot of force feeding. There's a lot of gagging and, you know, having a bowl of food and just staring into the bowl of food. You know what I mean? It's, it's, do you, do you think that, food quality dictates muscle growth as yeah, opposed to just the calories food, yeah bro if you eat shit food you're gonna get shit results man um clean foods we're eating clean foods we're eating um lean meats uh lean ground turkey lean chicken breast uh you know fish is just kind of lean in and of itself um Right, so for, so say right, like you've got to hit like how many calories do you have to eat to 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 bulk? Um, 
So just the the standard formula for that, because you can't really say, oh, you need this amount of yeah, 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 yeah. But the traditional I, I way talk- to go about figuring it out is you take your body weight and you multiply that body weight by ten. So for yeah. me, if I'm going to be weighing like 190, that's going to give me 1,900 calories off top. That's what my body's going to burn just sitting on my ass, not right. doing Oh, anything. right. Okay. Okay. I, I thought that was for bulking. I was like, that's not a lot of calories. No, 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 no. no that's, that's breakfast. Just, that's default, right? So you're uh, for every 10 pounds of muscle, you're going to burn one carbohydrate or one uh, calorie a day or some shit like that, right? So we're going to take 190 pounds. We're going to multiply that by 10. That's going to give me something to work with, which is 1,900 calories. Now, if you're bulking, you want to be anywhere from three to 500 calories in surplus of that, right? Um, so you're going to, by default, you're going to add like 300 calories to that, right? And also, you have to cover whatever calories you're going to be burning for a workout. So if yeah. you're like working out super intense, you're going to want to multiply your body weight by an additional, I would say, three to five, right? Yeah, so, so I'll yeah. take um 190 multiply that by three right and that'll give me a number and i'll add that number to my 1900 yeah and then whatever that number is i'll add an additional 300 calories a day for that and that's going to give me somewhere around 25 if i'm yeah i'm usually like around 25 to 2700 calories a day I th- I thought you would like I thought you would be in the, the 3000 4000 mark to bulk. Um as a bodybuilder you don't want to really get too far away from your stage weight. Everyone has yeah, different, right, different okay. philosophies. Um some people like if you're a hard gainer, you might say, "You know what? I'm going to bump all the way up to like 3000 a day, bro, and then I'll balloon myself up to you know 30 to 40 pounds above my stage weight but for me that makes my my competition prep way too hard i don't want to have to lose uh 30 pounds over the course of the next 16 weeks to get back on stage yeah yeah you know that's very interesting because like speaking from personal experience i'm currently trying to put on weight and extra muscle because i'm turning 45 soon and i've just got this like idea in my head that when i turn 45 it just becomes about health and longevity at that point my body's slowing down i'm not going to put on a lot of muscle anymore it's just not going to happen it's not worth the. it's not worth the pain eating all that stuff at my age but i'm just going for it health or leather right now and i'm currently on like 3500 calories a day and the, the the thought of eating that all clean would just destroy me which was yeah. my original question. Like, for example, say you ha- have to eat 3,500 calories a day and you've ate 3,000 calories, which are totally clean. Would it be okay to have like a chocolate bar or a cake that's 500 calories? Do you think that's going to dictate the, the quality of muscle growth? Mm, I personally, my philosophy on that is me eating 3,000 calories a day the way I eat, that's a lot of food, bro. Yeah. That's a lot of food because <laughs> I think like six ounces of salmon is only like 220-something calories. So yeah. I can get the 3,000 by throwing a hamburger in there because that hamburger is going to be like freaking 650 to 700 calories depending on where you get it from, right? But the way I eat my meals – are generally about 400 calories a piece and that's like six to eight ounces of meat and eight ounces of rice or you yeah. know a, a medium potato so to get to 3,000 calories eating clean like that is oh my god that's a, that's a lot of food um yeah. i would i would say eating something um that is not necessarily like for like you said a piece of cake or something there's no muscle building qualities in cake so if you're <laughs> eating that just to get to a calorie count, chances are you're approaching it the wrong way. Yeah. Um, you're eating way too many calories. If you scale back the amount of calories that you want to consume a day, take that cake out, it makes the food intake a lot more comfortable and everything you put in your body is muscle building. So for me, 
it's not really tempting to eat cake, cookies, chips, or anything like that because it's a waste of space in my stomach. That's how I look at it. Like, yeah, I enjoy those foods, but there's no muscle building qualities in those foods. So if I, you know, get myself full off of a piece of cake or a cookie or something, then I don't have space in my stomach for the muscle building foods that I want to intake. Yeah. Uh, the reason I ask this is because I'm always interested in regards to like family life. Mm -hmm. The idea of me eating clean and living the life I do would be impossible because uh, there's family situations that crop up, which I have to eat certain foods just to, to, to have that emotional bond with my family. And cause food's an emotional, it's, it's an emotional thing. A lot of people say food is for fuel, but it's not just for fuel. It's, it's, it's emotional as well. We, we, we eat to celebrate. We, we eat with our families. So how, how does that lifestyle that you lead fit in with the family lifestyle? Um, so one of two things are going to happen. Fortunately for me, uh, my family eats clean with me. So when we eat, we still get an opportunity to bond over food, but we're bonding over healthy food. You know what I mean? Um, but like you said, though, not everyone wants to be a bodybuilder. So no one wants to eat chicken and rice all day, right? Um, I have a five-year-old son, and I swear, this morning, we ate s'more pancakes. Um, and obviously, you know, that's something that a bodybuilder has no use for. But like you said, you have to um, step away from the sport every now and then to, um, you know, to make the people around you feel comfortable. They don't want to always make they don't want to always feel like they're making you break your program. Yeah. Uh, they feel like a bad influence. It's just not a cool feeling to put that on people um, because they don't participate in your lifestyle. So every now and then I do have to step away, um, especially for my son, because, you know, he wants candy and chips and stuff. And daddy, eat this. Daddy, eat that. I don't want to always have to explain to my son, oh, daddy can't eat that. You know what I mean? I can't do that. So there is a lot of compromise when it comes to the sport. And then at the same time, I'm not a bodybuilder 12 months out of the year. I'm only going to compete twice a year. Um, so we're only in prep, you know, what, 16 weeks per competition or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not just always year round um, full-time go mode. You know what I mean? In the off season, I'm eating burritos, tacos, burgers, chips and candy and all that. It's just, you got to limit how much of that stuff you do and be strategic when you do it. Okay. Okay. Well, Jabbar, I've got one final question for you. So, what comes after bodybuilding for you? Uh, bodybuilding is only, it's temporary. You have yeah. a very limited amount of time. Your body is going to be able to tolerate um, massive weight changes. Um, just, repetition after repetition in the gym so for me the end game is um how are we going to use fitness to train people in life situations um i'm really really big on discipline fitness builds discipline right fitness builds focus it builds determination it builds um consistency so i'm using fitness i want to be able to use fitness to strengthen those qualities in people and then once they develop those qualities show them how to transfer those qualities from fitness into other areas of life um if you can be disciplined in the gym and go to the gym when you don't want to be then say for instance you're 35 and you want to go back to school you don't want to go back to school it's i mean you got a life you're already in a career path that discipline that you learned in the gym, you can transfer that over into, okay, I'm going to go to work. And though, even though I don't want to, I'm going to come home and do some homework. You know what I mean? Because I want to elevate my career stature. And to do that, I got to go back to school or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? If you want to get better at your job, if you want to get better at building, you know, uh, relationship bonds with people, all the qualities that we learn in the gym are easily transferable to other areas of life. And so for me, that's the, that's the end goal is to um, train my clients into having these qualities. Of course, you're going to get the body that you're looking for, but it's, it's bigger than that. You want these qualities and then you want to learn how to transfer these qualities into other areas of life so that that success is just, it hits you everywhere. 
your son, man, Jabbar. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Definitely. He definitely got me laughing a couple of times. <laughs> anyway, that was King Jabbar. And before we go, uh, Jabbar, where can we find you on YouTube and social media? So on YouTube, um, find me uh, GFit Active. The channel is GFit Active. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at King Jabbar, K One N G J A B A R. Um, you can find me on TikTok. If you find me on Instagram, there's actually a link tree, and that'll show you everywhere else you can find me. So come over to Instagram, check me out. Um, I post as much as I possibly can. And for the people who have questions, that's the best place to find me because I'm most active on Instagram and I answer questions like all day, every day. So um, training splits, diet, any kind of question that you have that's fitness related, um, you can get a personal conversation out of me on Instagram real fast. Absolutely superb. Anyway, that was King Jabal, GFA Active. You'll find him on YouTube, all the usual places. Get over to his page and look for the Zulu Buppy if you can <laughs> handle it. It is a one in a million Buppy. Anyway, Jabal, absolute pleasure, my man. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me on here, bro. I appreciate it.